General Superintendent George Wood. Now, I'm, I'm sure I won't preach it nearly as, as well as he did, but it's, it's such a, uh, it, it's just etched in my mind as one of these phenomenal, uh, you know, thoughts about motherhood and life and legacy. And so uh, I thought, you know what, I'll pull that thing out and, and, and share some uh, truth from it. You know, all of us probably can, uh, can look at our lives, at, you know, from a, a, a diff- a one of several perspectives. You can have the perspective of, well, you know, I'm, I'm in the most blessed nation in America, in the world, you know. America is a blessed nation on the planet. We can look at all the different areas of our, of our life, and we can look at uh, the cup half full. Right, but then we can also look at the cup half empty. We could look at the, you know, whether it was uh, growing up with an alcoholic parent or divorce or, you know, uh, growing up with uh, very little money in the bank account, whatever, 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 whatever. Uh, there's always something that we can find that, that's like, okay, you know, all, all, everything's a plus here, but I got a few minuses here. And uh, we can look at life in those kind of ways. Uh, but what I want to suggest to you is that no person on the planet, can actually uh, fully assess their life in the span of, your, of the time of your birth to your death. That, the, that your life is more than just the, the time that you're breathing air on planet Earth. Your life has a lot more to it than that. And so when you only evaluate by the, the times in which you have that you can look at, you don't really comprehend everything that's going on in your life. And I want to say that probably this is uh, uh, not truer or, or not more true of any other people uh, than mothers. Uh, because of what mothers do and bringing life into the world and, and understanding that kids are going to go places and, and do things and be uh, on the planet longer than any of them will, uh, typically. And so, uh, you know, our, our children outlast us and they, and they go into the future. And so there's, there's that element of legacy. Um, we're going to talk today about a, a, a person that you don't hear much about in the Bible. Her name's Leah. Uh, Leah came uh, up in a difficult situation at best. Um, I can't, uh, we don't, uh, when I looked at my notes, I thought there's not a lot of scripture that's uh, attached to this, but really there is because her life spans from Genesis 29 to Genesis 49, and I couldn't put it all in there if you're tracking with me. And, uh, and so we're, we're going to kind of take an overview of Leah's life so that we can really understand motherhood, life. And legacy. Now, think about it like this. You know, uh, if you know Leah's story, the, the first thing that we hear about Leah is that when Jacob goes into the, uh, the land where he's going there to uh, find a, a wife, and he encounters Rachel. And Rachel is the younger sister of Leah, and she's beautiful. In fact, the scripture text tells us that, uh, that Jacob loves uh, Rachel, and she's beautiful, but Leah has weak eyes. In fact, the name Leah means cow. Uh, the, the name Rachel means sheep, you know, which in the, the context of of that uh, agrarian society, one was celebrated more than another. And, uh, and so, uh, so Leah uh, has this difficulty in that she's probably not uh, the most, uh, the, the fairest of them all in the land. And she also has a father uh, that uh, sees an opportunity. He's an opportunist. He sees an opportunity to barter her off. Uh, there's this local custom, according to uh, uh, you know, according to Laban, uh, that the oldest daughter marries first. And so, what happens? He doesn't tell Jacob about this ahead of time. 
And so on the, on the, the day of the wedding, uh, Laban substitutes Leah uh, for Rachel. Uh, so she's heavily veiled. And, uh, and, you know, she goes into the tent. It's dark. There's no electricity in the tent, right? And the scripture tells us that after the wedding night, Jacob wakes up and eloquently in the text, it just says, and when morning came, there was Leah. And Jacob feels ripped off. How do you think Leah feels? Leah, Leah is now this unwanted bride, this unloved bride, her, whose husband is willing to have sex with her, but he doesn't love her. He loves her younger sister. And so Laban says, because of local custom, this is what we have to do. And so after, after you celebrate this week of honeymoon, now I'm going to give you Rachel as long as you'll work with me, work for me for another seven years. Think of what that does to, to uh, Leah's internal understanding of who she is and her own value and her own self-worth. And, and so what we find now is this, uh, is this really strange, really kind of bizarre, almost like a reality TV kind of thing that, that gets picked up in, in the narrative. But what happens in the, in the midst of this is that Leah becomes pregnant. Leah becomes pregnant, and we can begin to trace her faith in the Lord through her children, particularly through her first four sons uh, that she bears. So if you want to look in your notes, <clears throat> uh, Leah's trust in God, uh, you know, is exhibited first when she names her son Reuben. It means behold a son. In other words, the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Her, she's holding out hope but she's trusting in the Lord. She's recognizing that, uh, that my life uh, is now extended into this child, and, and my hope is that my husband will uh, love me. But I recognize that the Lord sees my life right where I am. He sees everything that's going on. God is not unaware of what's taking place in my life. It's a good starting place, wouldn't you say? Uh, a lot of people feel forgotten by God. You may have felt forgotten by God and at some point in your life. Take a hint from Leah, whose, whose father basically uh, abandoned her, whose husband didn't love her, uh, who, uh, you know, you might say that, the, uh, that nature wasn't kind to her when it came to her own outward beauty, and yet she still hopes in the Lord because she recognizes that God sees my condition. God sees my plight. Uh, the second son that is born to her is Simeon. And Simeon's name means heard. Because the Lord has heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. Can I tell you, I can't tell you how many wives, uh, mothers somewhere along the line, uh, oftentimes when, uh, when, uh, um, when moms become moms uh, not on their timetable, I'll, I'll say it this way, there might be accidental parents, but there are never accidental children. And there are times when there are accidental uh, parents and the mom suddenly realizes this child saved my life. This child made it possible for me to understand what life was really about. I thought life was all about these other things, but this is what life is really about. Uh, and, and so a, a, a mother comes to understand what love is by the way she gives it, the way she expresses it to this child that's now in her life that she has a responsibility for. And so Leah sees Simeon and says, wow. I'm, I'm blessed. Look at, look at the fact that God heard my prayer, and here I have another son. 
And then this, uh, then this son, uh, Levi, comes along. Uh, next verse in Genesis 29, the, the name Levi means attached. Now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. And so uh, all of this time is going on, right? And, and so it's still uh, Jacob and Rachel most of the time, but Leah is bearing children. Rachel's not bearing very many children. And, and so things are, you know, when, you, when you're in ag agrarian society, you need people to work that farm. You need people to look after. And so all of a sudden, Leah is raising up this family, and, and there's, there's, a, uh, there's dignity that's being replaced uh, in in just the, the fleeting of beauty, fleeting beauty of Rachel is starting to not look quite so great. And so uh, the, the sons are coming along. The last one here, Judah, means praise. This time I will praise the Lord. Uh, notice her faith. Notice that she says, it doesn't matter now what's going on. I'm just going to praise God. I know the Lord saw. I know the Lord heard. I'm believing that God is going to cause my husband to be attached, but with that fourth son, Judah, I'm just going to praise God. I'm just going to praise God. Now, we'll find that uh, just through glimpses of the, the, the nature of comparison between Leah and Rachel, that Rachel actually, when, when they leave town, Rachel steals her father's gods, her father, father's idols, right? And, and she hides those things. But Leah has nothing to do with that because she serves the living God. She knows the God who sees, the God who hears, the God who is causing relationships to work the way they ought to, and the God who hears her praise. And so she's following through on uh, these things in her life. Now, Rachel gets jealous, gives her servant to Jacob. You know the story. Leah responds in kind. And two more sons are born, Gad and Asher. Leah's womb is open again, and she bears Issachar, Zebulun, and a daughter, Dinah. Rachel has Joseph and dies in Bethlehem, bearing the 12th son of Jacob named Benjamin. Now, Leah outlives Rachel. And though we don't know exactly when Leah dies, we do know that she was buried in a cave at Machpelah at Hebron where Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Rebekah were buried. Here are Jacob's last words in Genesis 49, 31. There I buried Leah, and he leaves instructions to be buried next to her rather than with Rachel in Bethlehem. Notice how the end of the story has turned completely now. Now think about earthly, uh, Leah's earthly life just for a minute, and then we'll talk about her legacy. She's, her father forces her into marriage. Her sister resented her. Her husband didn't begin to love her until late in life, and she has to raise her dead sister's son. Think about the, what could have happened on the inside of this woman, Leah, how it could have just turned, how she had every reason just to throw up her hands and give up, and, you know, can I just tell you the, 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 the secret to longevity is give up at least once a week and then start fresh tomorrow morning, right? Don't stay engaged in that thing the whole time. Give up at least once a week. I call it Sabbath, okay? But, uh, but I'll say just before Sabbath, I quit! And then tomorrow morning I start again, right? Yet Leah's life, like your life, can't be measured in the span of her lifetime. Let's talk about her legacy a minute. And maybe you can get a glimpse of what yours has in store. 
Do you realize that the priestly line comes through Leah's third son, Levi? That if it hadn't been for Leah, there'd be no Levi. If there had been no uh, Levi, there would have been no Levitical priesthood. Uh, that if there was no Levitical priesthood, then you don't have Moses, you don't have Aaron, you don't have Miriam. With, without Levi, uh, Leah, no Levi. Without Levi, no Moses or the Pentateuch. You don't have the first five books of the Bible. You don't have the Ten Commandments. You don't have the Exodus from Egypt. There's no high priest upon which Jesus would build his intercessory uh, model of ministry for us without Leah. If there's no Leah, there's no Caleb who goes in to possess the promised land. Think about that. Uh, Leah's fourth son, Judah, established the kingly line and became the ancestor of, Jude, of David and Solomon. And without Leah, there's no Judah. Without Judah, no Boaz. Without Boaz, no David or Solomon. No David or Solomon, no Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Songs, or Ecclesiastes. How much of your Bible do you have left now? All the priests come from Leah, but all the kings uh, uh, from Levi, but the kings come from Judah. Now, think about this kingly line. Asa, Jehoshaphat, Uzziah, Hezekiah, and Josiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel all appear to be priests descended from Leah. Ezra and Nehemiah all descend from Leah. Ultimately, the key players in the Christmas story come from Leah. You've got Mary, you've got Joseph. No Leah. No Mary, no Joseph. Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist all come from the tribe of Levi. Uh, Anna was from the tribe of Asher who came from Leah's servant Zilpah. The land of Zebulun, the last son of Leah, included Nazareth where Jesus grew up. Even the spread of the gospel to the Gentiles comes through Barnabas, a descendant of Leah. Now, who raised Benjamin? Leah. Leah took him in and raised him as her own. King Saul and the New Testament apostle Paul both come from Leah's nurturing hand. So what do we learn from Leah's life? What we have to realize is that she understood that, that uh, her role as a mother was, uh, was the way she could impact her world. And that her life was more than just what went on inside of her and what was happening to her. That there was going to be a life to be lived and a legacy to be born from the fact that she was a mother going through the hard times. Let me tell you, on the days of motherhood, the days that we celebrate particularly on Mother's Day, let me tell you, those stretch marks are signs of victory. That spit up on the shoulder is a badge of honor. Those, those uh, bloodshot eyes are, are uh, significant because they meant that you went the distance to make sure that another life had what they needed to go on into the future. These are things that we need to celebrate. You want to look back on them. You don't want to just live in them forever. You want to look back on them and say, you know what? I'm, I'm glad I'm on the other side of that. I'm glad I made it through. And you can look around at all your kids as a result and say, that's, a, that's a, the reward for my labor. I have to tell you, um, one of the things that happens, I don't know why. They sit, you, ever, you ever notice how some people kind of have a cloud follow them? You know, figuratively speaking. You know, that just seems like every time. You know what follows me? These conversations about women going into labor. 
I mean, I can be minding my own business, standing around a kitchen table, looking at the chips and salsa. And all of a sudden, three or four women come around. And they don't just talk about the latest fashion. Somehow or another, they just feel it okay to just start swapping birthing stories. <laughs> Cut it out! <laughs> Cut it out! <laughs> you know, and it doesn't help that, uh, you know, my daughter's just days away from uh, Nora coming into the world, and, and so we'll be sitting there having dinner, and all of a sudden, it can just happen. I mean, it just these conversations swap back, oh, yeah, you know, X amount of hours in labor, oh, the contractions, well, oh, and when my water broke, oh, please, you know, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm trying to eat soup here. And, uh, you know, and so all these conversations start to take place, right? And, uh, but but I, I've, I've learned, you know, I've learned coming on the other side of this, you got to go with me, go with me, guys. You know, for us, the closest thing we can have maybe is a, maybe is a, a football play from our high school days. Or maybe if you're in the military, some action that you saw while you're overseas, you're swapping war stories. Or maybe, maybe you know, it was those bloodied knuckles from that hot rod that you were building. That's the closest thing that we got. These women had the real deal. But it's messy. And it's tough. But we need to celebrate them. Amen? Because that's the legacy that gets lived on. And without moms, there's no motherhood. Without motherhood, there's no life. Without life, there's no legacy. And I want to encourage you, the things that God is doing on the inside of your life right now, though it may be uncomfortable, though there might be challenges that you're facing, God is writing his story through your story. How many times have you found yourself in a, in a place after you've lived the, for the Lord for a while, you get on the other side, and, and somebody starts having a conversation with you, and, and, and they bring something up that you have forgotten that you had done for them. Maybe it was, a, maybe it was a, you know, you blessed somebody for something. Uh, maybe you helped somebody out, and it was just, uh, it, it wasn't even a detour. It was just like, oh, yeah, I can help you with that. And you got back on track, and you went on to do whatever you were going to do. And yet they, that was life-changing for them. They didn't even see it. You know, you didn't see it as anything major, but yet it was life-changing. I'm reminded of the passage in uh, the, the latter chapters of Matthew where, uh, where Jesus comes and he says, you know, the righteous come and say, Lord, when did we see you sick? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you in, in prison? And he says, as much as you've done for the least of these, you've done unto me. The other, uh, the other week, uh, we bumped in, Holly and I bumped into a, a single mom that uh, probably 20 years ago uh, had been part of this house. And, um, and she reminded me of a conversation we'd had sometime later that at some point in our, in our marriage, um, Holly and I had loaned her our car. Um, she was in a tight spot. Her car was broke down, whatever the case may be. And I totally couldn't even remember. And about five years ago, um, I was going through a Walmart line, and she was, uh, she was the checkout help that time. And, and she, uh, she said, hey, Pastor Ken, you remember that time you loaned me your car for a week? I'm like, first of all, it, I was having a hard time just even remembering who she was. Second of all, I certainly didn't remember loaning the car out. You know? uh, but, but there are things that happen 
you know, that we do as a matter of course of our life, just living for God, just doing the thing that in our minds anybody would do. But let me tell you, sometimes when you get involved with people's lives, not everybody does that. But God has called us to leave a legacy, hasn't he? He's called us to be the people of God. And so today as we celebrate these moms, I'm going to ask Holly to come uh, today, one of my favorite mothers. And uh, she's going to come today and she's going to pray over the moms. Um, and then we're going to uh, be dismissed today. It was very rewarding to see my wife and Sandra get their ordination this past week. That was exciting. Part of her legacy. I want to ask if all the ladies would just come down with me. And you don't have to be a mom. This is for all the ladies because I feel like the Lord's given me some things to pray over you for this morning. And if you have a daughter with you, bring her on down with you because um, I think that is key as well to be a part of that together. Um, the speaker, one of the speakers this week while we were away at conference shared with us a story about losing his son. And it brought back to mind in Ken's memory losing our son Jeremy in water country of all places. You know, that's like... The, your nightmare, you know, your worst nightmare coming true. And I think he was probably four or five, and he just somehow missed sight of us and saw someone walking out of the play area that we were in and thought it was me and went and followed them, and it was not me. And um, every, every mother, physical mother in this place, can understand that anxiety um, that you go through when you've lost your child. And um, thankfully, there were people around us that were helping um, to find him. And of course, you know, he's still here today. So we did find him. Um, but he'd wandered way down the park and happened to be the Lord aligned somebody from Lighthouse who knew our son, caught him and said, well, you don't belong down here. Where are your parents? And walked back with a security guard to bring him to us. And um, But the the story that went with that was the reminder of the father's passion for his lost children. And when he brought that story to my mind and my remembrance about losing my son, Jeremy, the passion in my heart towards finding him and making sure that he was safe and sound with us was overwhelming. And that's the father's heart for those who don't know him, is that they're lost and he wants them close. He wants them to know him. And uh, since I turned 50 two years ago, for two years, the enemy has bombarded my thoughts. This is for ladies over 50. And maybe you're not even there yet and these things have come to you. The enemy has tried to bombard my thoughts of my days of effectiveness are not gonna be the same anymore because I'm on the other side. Does that make sense? All of you who are there, shake your head at me. When that story came this weekend, it was one of those things that converged with my own internal struggles over age because we live in a culture that capitalizes on age. We know that. But the, but the Lord coming with that story and saying every one of us, whether we've birthed children physically, we're meant to bring life, and that is spiritual life. Spiritual life first, physical life second because we were birthed out of the spiritual by, by God. And then the physical accompanies that. Whether you've given birth to children or not, you have been designed to give life, spiritual life. And all in this county, 
We have people that are lost like my son Jeremy was lost. And if you've ever lost a child, let that feeling just come back. That is the passion of the Father for everyone outside these doors who do not know him. And you've been designed to give life. And that convergence this week for me of he's designed me to give life. No wonder the enemy is peckering my brain continuously with my days of effectiveness are not going to be the same because I've passed 50. How ridiculous is that, that I would expect that my God is, is hemmed in by time with what he will do in my life. And so I had to, it wasn't the Holy Spirit, I had to set my mind straight. And as the word says, take captive every one of those thoughts and make them obedient to Christ Jesus. Because they will return. Because I know the nature of the enemy. And he knows the weak spots in our armor. And he has a good shot. So I'm going to cover those places in my armor where I know he wants to come. And you ladies who are there with me, your days of effectiveness are not over. Oh my goodness, they're not over. Because there are lost children out there who the Father wants to draw near, and he has nobody but you to do it. And you were meant to bring spiritual life. There were a few other things that the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart about some things that we women are dealing with. Some of you ladies have stayed in the shadows and you've forgotten whose you are. You are his. You are the child of the champion and you're hiding in the shadows when he wants you to be like David and go running towards the giant because he's ready to do the slaying, but you have to run and get out of the shadows. Some of you have been hurt and wounded by your, heavenly by your earthly father and you've stayed under that and your heavenly father today wants to wash that away because that's part of that bombarding of our minds that keeps us from the mission and you've been called to mission. Some of you have believed the lies that the enemy has spoken over you through others. And God says, do you remember that my thoughts towards you are more numerous than the sands of the seashore? And that is his good thoughts. They're not bad thoughts towards you. It's good thoughts towards you. But we've chosen to listen to the lies of the enemy when he has more thoughts towards us, the Lord, than the sands of the seashores. Can that just overwhelm you for a minute there? all the sands of the seashores, but yet we listen to the lies of the enemy. And the Lord reminded me, it's, a, it's key to how close you draw to me. So if we don't draw close, we can't hear. But if you stay close, you can hear his truth. And then some of us striving and relying on the work of our hands when we forget that our greatest provision comes through prayer, particularly over our children that we do and we do and we try to, you know, we're moms, we're nurturers, we love, we love to do for our kids and it's not enough and the key is prayer. And sometimes we get caught up in the task when the Lord just wants us to pray because that's where the key is. So I'm gonna just pray these things over you today. And if there's anything else that someone feels like the Lord's speaking, we'll be God to pray over that as well. You just come up here and grab my arm or whatever. God, we just put ourselves in a position this morning to hear what you're saying to us and to receive what you want us to receive. I ask forgiveness for letting the enemy bombard my mind and believing his lies instead of your truths. I ask you to forgive me for that 
Who am I that I would not hear the voice of my father before I hear the voice of the enemy and his lies and his deception? So Lord, I draw close to you this morning and I take captive, we take captive of every thought this morning that is not of you, is not rooted from you, it is not from your word and it does not glorify and honor you. We cast it down today in Jesus' name. We take it captive like a lasso around the feet of those lies and those deception and we rein them in and make them obedient to you and your word. Where there's pain and there's hurt because of things that have been spoken that are not truth, I pray today that you would wash them away today, that you would set free everyone, Lord, that has been bound by things that have been spoken of them that are not in alignment with your word, that that would be broken today in Jesus' name. Ladies, if, that's, if you have things that have been spoken of you that have held you captive, that you would just say that today in Jesus' name that is broken over my life. It is broken over my mind. It is broken over my heart. It will no longer control me. It will no longer overwhelm me. Those things are submitted under the blood of Jesus and they are no more. And I pray, Lord, that you would stir up in us the heart and the passion to bring spiritual life to every one of your children that are lost outside these walls. That we would not walk by our neighbors, we would not walk by people in the store, we will not walk by the people that we work daily with and ignore that they've been lost in the crowds and not have a passion after like your heart for those souls. But Lord, you begin to stir that in us that it would be a primary focus, the way we care for our children, that we would care for your children that are without you and that we would help bring them to the Father. Will you show us how to do that on a daily basis when we're in environments that are hard and tough and where the presence of God is not necessarily flowing like it is in church? Will you show us, Lord, how to pursue those who are lost and bring them to the Father? We thank you, Lord, for your work today. Help us to not stay in the shadows, but to run, Lord Jesus, but to run out of the shadows, Lord, and see you slay the enemies in front of us. And we give you all the glory and the honor today for your goodness and for your love for us as your women, your children, your princesses. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, ladies. Happy Mother's Day for all of you who are physical moms. Happy Mother's Day for all of you spiritual moms. And you all have a blessed day. I cannot believe you got out early on a 8 a.m. service.
Turn my morning back into dancing. He turned my 